I'm Emily P. Freeman, and welcome to The Next Right Thing. You're listening to Episode 17. If this is your first time listening in, this is a podcast where we talk about the things that really matter, but will rarely make the headlines. In these few minutes, we practice, as Eugene Peterson says, letting our souls catch up with our bodies. If you find yourself always rushing but never truly arriving, or with a list of unmade decisions causing you no small amount of panic, you're in the right place. This year we get what feels like an extra week between Thanksgiving and the first Sunday of Advent. The last time that happened was in 2012, trust me, I looked it up. Technically, the number of days in November and December have not changed, obviously. But here in the U.S., when Thanksgiving falls earlier in the month, it always feels like we get a little extra time to prepare our hearts for Advent. If you're anything like me, you could use all the extra time you can possibly get. And since you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume that you're someone who values soul space and margin, but maybe you need a little extra help to find it. Especially this week, if you are an all-or-nothing person, the idea of heading into a season with all these expectations might leave you feeling a bit stuck. So it's my honor to walk with you for a couple of minutes today. I hope this short episode will help create a little more space for your soul to breathe so that you can discern your next right thing in love. Nine years ago, we bought a house that wasn't even for sale and we were more surprised than anyone. It sat on a quiet cul-de-sac two doors down from my husband's brother and his family. Visiting their house one afternoon, he pointed across the street and said, hey, you guys should move in there. At first, we dismissed it. There wasn't a sign in the yard. It didn't look like anyone was home. We walked across the street anyway. As it turns out, the woman who owned the house had actually moved out. She had left a lot of her things behind, and she was just sort of waiting to put it on the market. I didn't really take the idea seriously until I found myself on the front porch, cupping my eyes to the glass beside the door and looking inside. There was a dining room to the right, a living room to the left, and straight ahead, a lovely open wooden staircase. This place has some character, I thought, a little personality. Granted, it was 1960s personality, but still, it had potential. We ended up getting in touch with the owner, making her an offer, and buying the house. After months of renovations, we moved in, and that house has become a happy home for our family. We've replaced that original front door with double wooden doors, and the small foyer is only large enough for a small group of people to stand in comfortably. Our kids have found this open, furniture-free area to be the perfect spot for playing hand hockey. They don't do it so much anymore, but when they were younger, they actually didn't call it hand hockey. That's what I call it. They actually just called it plain hockey. But they used their hands instead of sticks and a soft puck that may or may not have come in a Happy Meal once. And the two opposite doorways on either side of the staircase, the living room and the dining room, serve as their goals. So the way it works is two kids sit in front of their respective doorways or goals to guard them with legs sprawled and arms up, while the third sibling sits on the steps to act as a scorekeeper and referee. I let them play inside because there isn't much that can break in the foyer, and also because they love it. But it gets loud in there, especially if there's a disagreement on whether or not the puck actually crossed the line into the goal. The laughter and the banter in the game is constantly punctured with loud alternating protests of that one counted or no, it didn't. That one didn't count at all. Having something count is important. 
If the goal counts, your team might win. And if it doesn't, you might be out. It might seem childish at first glance, but I can totally relate. I want my time, money, efforts, and points to count too. Counting means something. Not counting feels like a waste. I nearly titled this episode, Make It Count. That's the phrase we're most familiar with, right? Make it count. Don't miss the small stuff. Cherish all the moments. But instead, I decided to trade out that word make, one that maybe conjures up images for me of forcing something, hard effort, control. I traded that word out with the word let. That small word, let, as it turns out, has played a pivotal role in my own spiritual formation. One of my favorite movies as a kid was The Wizard of Oz. It came on TV once per year. I finally, as I got older, realized they always played it in November, but I didn't realize this when I was younger, and so I would look in the TV guide section of the newspaper every single week to see if this was perhaps the week that The Wizard of Oz would be played. It was a magical Friday night every year. When I knew it was coming, I couldn't sleep the night before. I loved Dorothy. I loved the music. I loved it all. Since it's 80 years old, I feel like I'm not giving away a spoiler, but hopefully you know that Dorothy walked all over Oz and Munchkinland in those ruby slippers without knowing that they were her ticket home until the end of the movie when the good witch Glinda finally told her she had the power all along to go back home. Once she learned the truth, she realized she had a choice to make, but simply knowing the truth wasn't enough to get her home. She had to click her heels together and say there's no place like home. She had to let the truth be true. Like those optimistic voices that sing outside of Oz, she had to march up to the gate and bid it open. She had the letting power. That word let is more powerful than I think it seems at first glance. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The peace of Christ is ours for the taking, but we have to let it rule. That word rule here literally means in the Greek to act as umpire, to decide a controversy between two parties. Picture the peace of Christ standing between you and your full schedule, your family drama, your plans for Christmas, your interruptions, your sick parent, your unmade decisions. And that peace looks you straight in the eyes and asks to do what peace does best, calm, comfort, and give rest. God offers his peace to act as your umpire, to release you from having to keep it together. Your only job, let him. Receive the peace that belongs to you. It is not an easy thing to do to quiet the voices of fear and shame and hurry, but the peace of Christ will stand between you and everything else. You have the letting power. So what difference can that make for us today? I think it's safe to say that we all want our days to count for something. We want our work to produce. We want our parenting to make a difference. We want this Advent season to be more meaningful than the last one, or at least as meaningful. We don't want to waste our time. But what are we really saying? Here's a quote from Oswald Chambers that I think sums it up nicely. He says, It is ingrained in us that we have to do exceptional things for God, but we do not. 
We have to be exceptional in the ordinary things of life and holy on the ordinary streets among ordinary people. And this is not learned in five minutes. That last part is my favorite part where he says, and this is not learned in five minutes. I smile every time I read those words because I feel like Oswald, can I, I can call him that, right? I feel like Oswald is speaking like a grandfather, chin down, looking over the top of his glasses, telling me to be patient and to stop tapping my foot so much. Let the peace of Christ rule. As hard as it is to admit this, sometimes it's easier for me to have faith and to trust God in the midst of the big challenges of life because it's so obvious that I'm not in control. In those kinds of circumstances, it feels like my only choice for comfort, peace, or sleeping even a little bit at night is an unrelenting trust in God. Instead, it's those everyday things that are covered with my fingerprints. During the repetitive minutiae of the daily is when my trusting soul seems to fall asleep in the brush, beneath the shade of the familiar trees, in the warm landscape of everyday life. It isn't that I don't believe the small things are important. It's more that I forget to care about how important they really are. In her book, The Memoir Project, author Marion Roach-Smith says it's in the small moments that life is truly lived. It's not news. We've all heard some version of this. Maybe our minds immediately go to the wink across a crowded room, the snuggles before a bedtime story, the weeknight cookouts, the daily dishes. But our days aren't only filled with the beautiful ordinary. If it's true what Marion Roach-Smith says, that thing we've all heard and tend to agree with, that small moments are where life is truly lived, then we have to count all the small moments, not just the pleasant ones. The days also have small moments of rejection, humiliation, disappointment, regret, misunderstanding, heartache, and pain. These are our moments too. What would it look like to let them count? How we define small moments is crucial to seeing, embracing, and learning from our whole life, not just the pretty parts, not just the organized parts, not just the parts that we can explain. These small moments can offer hints of a greater reality, just like the lovely ones do. But in these, it can be harder to find. The truth is, it's easy to fight for a cause when the stakes are high. Freedom, rights, life, or death. It's way harder to fight for the moments, to fight to see meaning on a regular Tuesday afternoon around the homework table. Because at the end of it, you don't really have anything to show for it beyond a kid who has a finished math worksheet. And let's be honest, in the scope of the world, who really cares much about that? I don't mean we have to create meaning and elevate each moment to the level of the most important thing ever. The truth is, the moments may be boring. In the scope of life, they may not have much impact on the course of things or on the decisions that we make. But learning to live well in these ordinary moments isn't a call to elevate the moments. Instead, it's an invitation to draw closer to Christ. Because what gives moments meaning is not the moments in themselves, but the presence of Christ with us in the midst of them. To learn to live well in ordinary time is to keep company with Christ on our simple Tuesdays and remind us how He delights in keeping company with us. The life of Christ dwells within me as I walk into the coffee shop, the courtroom, the office, the classroom, the shed. To let it count means to be aware that the peace of Christ stands between me and every little thing, every word spoken in love or criticism, in comfort or indifference. First, 
It must go through my friend Jesus before it gets to me, and I can let his peace rule no matter what. Always standing between me and others is the presence of Christ beside and within me. He packs the moments of ordinary time with the hope of Easter, the miracle of Advent, the light of Epiphany. But he also does this in the middle of my Tuesday, one ordinary moment at a time. So you want this season to be different, and maybe you're making some grand plans for change. There's not one thing wrong with that. But don't forget to count the small things too. A short walk around the block, one exercise class per month, writing or reading a paragraph a day, choosing kindness when you could have chosen defense, it all counts. Small movement is still movement. Let it count. This week before Advent officially begins, find a few quiet moments, maybe the ones we have right now together, and purpose in your heart to let it all count. Father, we aren't trying to create meaning where there isn't any. Rather, we recognize that the presence of Christ is what makes our moments meaningful. We don't want to wait for a big event to wake us up. Gently poke our sleepy souls awake today. Help us to stop running from the ordinary and instead begin to sit in the midst of it. We want to be people who let it all count. Picking out the Christmas tree and the sibling squabbles in the backseat making cookies in the kitchen, and that last-minute run for store-bought ones, the beautifully wrapped present for the teacher gift, and that heartfelt hug in the hallway. In all these things, we want to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We agree and acknowledge that you hold all things together, the schedule, the diagnosis, the misunderstandings, the dreams for the future and the carpool lines. Most of all, in every scattered, insecure, indecisive moment, you hold us together with kind intention. Thank you for never leaving us alone. Thanks for listening to episode 17 of The Next Right Thing. If you would like to connect beyond the podcast, the best way to do that is to join my email list at emilypfreeman.com join, where you'll receive my monthly letter filled with first word news, the books I'm reading now, my favorite things list of the month, and a secret post you won't find anywhere else. Hopefully you know by now that we provide a transcript for each episode, so if you know someone who either can't hear or prefers reading to listening, you can download those transcripts at thenextrightthingpodcast.com. If you'd like a copy of the prayer from today's episode, you can download it there as well. Just look for episode 17, Let It Count, at thenextrightthingpodcast.com. If you want even more encouragement to let the small moments count, Grab a copy of my book, Simply Tuesday, and the It's Simply Tuesday coloring book that goes along with it. You may also want to join our community on Instagram, where we practice counting it all sacred, the small and the ordinary moments of life. We use the hashtag, It's Simply Tuesday, to document those moments every Tuesday of the year. 
As always, you can find me there on Instagram at Emily P. Freeman. Today, perhaps your next right thing is to draw near to a person who reminds you that everything counts in the kingdom of God. This short blessing can encourage you toward that end. From John O'Donohue in his book, To Bless the Space Between Us. Draw alongside the silence of stone until its calmness can claim you. Be excessively gentle with yourself. Stay clear of those vexed in spirit. Learn to linger around someone of ease who feels they have all the time in the world. Gradually, you will return to yourself, having learned a new respect for your heart and the joy that dwells far within slow time. <laughs>